You are listening to Grit and Grace, where I'm sharing my entrepreneurial journey with you and bringing stories to you of the most amazing women that are crushing it in business and in life. My name is Tomberly, and I'm a social impact entrepreneur, where I help businesses grow their community impact and their bottom line through their partnerships with nonprofit organizations. I'm also the founder of Tomberly's Tribe, a brand new group of female experts that, from all different fields, are helping women grow to their highest level of potential. Join us on this journey by downloading the Himalaya app, which is free, and follow us so we can keep you up to date on all of the new shows that are coming out. Welcome to my show. Are you struggling to keep your teams connected and support increased productivity? I've got the answer for you, and her name is Julie Holunga. Julie is an Emergenetics Master Trainer and will help walk you and your team through the assessments and how they play a role in your overall success. Go to juliehalunga.com for all the details. Welcome back to Grit and Grace. I'm excited today to share with you an interview that I actually did for a different podcast called Girl Talk. I host two other shows, and one of them is for the girl community, and that's com, which is an international clothing line owned by Courtney Olson. And her and I host Girl Talk, which is its own podcast. And I interviewed It's Amazing this wonderful woman who is willing to step up to the mic and have a difficult conversation about racism and share her perspective. And I loved our discussion so much that I wanted to bring it here to you because I think it's worth everybody listening to. So if you have any questions about the girl community or girl clothing, which is amazing, by the way, you can go to com, find out all the details there. And if you want to find out what this podcast is. It's called Girl Talk, again, G-Triple-R-L Talk, and it can be found on any of the listening platforms that you might use. Of course, we would love for you to check it out on Himalaya and follow us there. But it's important that we share these conversations as far and wide as possible. So I'm super honored to bring this to you. And you're going to hear me talk about the girl community. You're going to hear me talk about Courtney Olson. It's going to have a little bit of a different flavor in terms of who we reference and how we carry the conversation. But I do think that you're going to absolutely love it. Now, let's get to it. Welcome to It's Amazing. Welcome back to another episode of Girl Talk, where we are diving into discussions that are really pertinent in 2020. This is currently the month of June, and we are continuing conversations that matter, not just in the girl community, but in the United States, in Canada, and across the world. And we're here to talk more about racism and what's happening in our country. And I'm really excited and honored that we have It's Amazing um, joining us, who is a girl ambassador, and she's been a, a social ambassador for girl clothing for, I don't know how long, Issa, you can tell us how long, but I, I'm really thankful that you're willing to have this conversation. Appreciate it. Hi. I'm happy to be on. I think I've, I've probably have been an ambassador for about two years, maybe, give or take. I don't know. It feels like I've known Courtney forever now, so it, <laughs> I don't know. I know. Yeah. It's true. When people meet Courtney, they do feel like that. They create a connection. They're like, oh my gosh, it's like it's like I, I've known you my whole lifetime. Yeah, for sure. And 
And you and I met last year at Girl Live, and I was just telling you before we hit record that it's just so nice to see your face. Hi, hi, hi. I'm so happy. I like wish I was there to hug you. Even in Q-Town, I would take my mask off and hug you. So good to see you. <laughs> Socially distanced hugs. Huge, huge hugs. I know. I know. And and how I think how fortunate are we to have been able to master technology where we can record this podcast and broadcast it out to the world in in, in the middle of a pandemic. In the middle of a revolution, right? This is what's happening, and and you and I can still connect and be able to have this conversation. So I, I'm, I always have this, you know, sort of like grateful attitude that technology has become what it is because it's really amazing if we think about what we're doing. Exactly, I totally agree. It's one of the odd gifts that the pandemic has given us, which is using the technology that we've already had, using it on a more broad scale. I, my mom knows how to use Zoom now. My my granny, <laughs> my granny just got her own smartphone so that she can FaceTime the kids without my mother. So yes, this has been mm. the the slight gift in the curse that is the current pandemic. <laughs> Yeah, right. And I I also think that what's been happening, and I call it Q-Town because I don't use the C word. Um, The other thing that I think has happened during this time is deep reflection for a lot of us, which then to me was the precursor to what happened to let us let it, that led us into this revolution was really about, I don't know if it would have been the same reaction to what's happening now if it wasn't following what happened during this pandemic, right? And and who knows? I mean, we can't say, but I truly believe that there was like, it's almost like, I feel like the universe told us all, like, you're going to go have a timeout and you better like put your reserves in place because shit's going to get real here very soon. And none of us knew that. Well, guess what? Now we know. Yep. (laughs) We were so disconnected, you know, before the Rona, that's what I call it, the Rona. Oh, that's better, the Rona. Yeah, that's better. Before the Rona hit, we were so disconnected from one another. And this was a time for us to actually start reconnecting, start listening to one another again. You're stuck in the house anyway. Start paying more attention, things like that. And boom, while we're all bored and at the same time, not super duper distracted with work and schedules and meetings and travel and dot, 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 dot. Boom. Why you have our attention. The things that really is not that surprising to me and really does happen every other month in my world. It was done in a way that it caught you all's attention. I say you all meaning folks that don't normally live in a space that has to think about police brutality or has to think about systemic racism or these institutes that are established that you're always fighting against. You know, this is, this again, is my world. Normally my news feeds are normally curated to see these sorts of things because it happens time and time again, either to people that I know or to people that just looks like me or my family members. So it's just great to see other people have taken notice because they've slowed down enough. So, yeah. Um, I shared with you before this, we started recording that I, I have learned so much that I didn't know. And I deeply honor 
the fact that you've been living with this your whole life. And I, I didn't, I didn't, I knew, but I didn't know to the extent that I know now. And this is the point of us having this conversation is I, I want us to talk about the hard things about why don't white people, I'm a white person. Like, why didn't, why didn't I know this? Like what, and what can we do better to help educate others? Cause I, in my communities, there's still a lot of people that just don't really understand that our country was built on oppression and it still exists in every system of everything that operates in this country. It's not just in the police. It's not just that. It's financial institutions. It's educational systems. It's everything. It's business. It's everything. That's the word systemic. Right. Exactly. It's deep. And that's the problem prior to this kind of revolution and uprising that's taken place is people really, I believe, was thinking that it was very one-sided or it was just one small issue. And it's like, no, it is a it is a multitude of issues that are that are happening right now, or that's been happening. It's a multitude of them. So when we talk only about Mike Brown being murdered or only talk about Tamir Rice being murdered, only talk about Sandra Bland being murdered. Those seem like very one-sided conversations to some people. So when they talk about Black Lives Matter, they think that we are only talking about Black people getting killed by Mm non-Black people. Hence, why people try to divert the argument to, well, Black people kill Black people all the time. We're talking about a much bigger thing. Just the words Black Lives Matter is catchy. It's sticky. It rings. But because I also don't have the time or breath to put all of the things that are the problem on one side. (laughs) Mm, Yeah. (laughs) Right. Right. I think that there's... um, I think that there's something to be said to all of us listening and not those that are listening. Anybody that comes into my circle is now going to be listening because I'm going to ask them these questions is what are we doing? Like, what are we doing to handle moving forward? And I don't know if that's the first question I have for you or if my, actually my first question for you is, Issa, how have you been facing racism in your life? To help us understand, if you're comfortable sharing. Oh, I'm. Thank you for uh, respecting that I could possibly be uncomfortable. But for me, again, I I live in this. I live with this dark skin. I was born with it. I can't take it off. So it's kind of one of those things that for me, it's not even a question of being comfortable or not, or even have you or have you not experienced racism. I I was born black in America. I identify as a black American. So. Yes, I've experienced racism. I've experienced a little... My experience has... Once I moved out of St. Louis, out of the Midwest, has been less of the outright blatant racism and more of the microaggressions. And I experienced the microaggressions more so in my adult life. So for those who do not know who I am, I am... A Midwesterner, born and raised in St. Louis, Missouri, but I've been in the military for 23 plus years. I'm 42 years old and I've traveled the world. So I've experienced some racism, but also I come from a very aware family and background. So the blatant racism, I've been kind of overcome that or fought against that. Some of the systemic issues of growing up in a poor community, I've kind of broken out 
of those things because I was already aware of them. So I worked super hard. My mother did not give me the option to not go to college. I didn't want to go to college, but my mother said that that's not an option because you are going to go to college. And then after I graduated college, I joined the military because that was the organization that I wanted to work for. But the microaggressions that I experienced, and this is the one that I've kind of been addressing to people because it's the one that I experienced the most because of just the space that I'm in where I'm always one of the only ones, but I get all the time, oh, well, you're, I don't see you as a black person. Or I mean, you're black, but you're not like black, black. Or those are, that's the microaggression that I get the most, especially being in the military because we have to compartmentalize how we view people. But outside of work, I hang out with people in the military and I'm always in an integrated space and I don't ever truly care for that expression of, well, you're not, you're not like black, black. I don't know what that means. Cause I'm, if, if we had to put some degrees on my blackness, I'm as black as they come. All of the positive stereotypes of black folks, I live up to them. I'm not going to sit here and name them, but I don't know what that means. So it's like, how do you quantify I'm not black, black? Uh, my skin is black. My culture is very much black. Uh, I don't know. So for me, also my problem with that is I don't understand how you can not see my color. You can see that I'm athletic. You can see that I'm less than six feet tall. You can see that I'm a female. You can see that I, let's see what else. There's a couple, some of the other things that you can't see, but you know about me. I'm a Midwesterner. If you talk to me long enough, my country grammar will come out. My ideals are very rooted in Black culture. Uh, I love girl clothing. I love athleisure wear, things like that. You know about me. But then the thing that I identify the most with, all of a sudden you don't see that. And it's like, no, I don't want you to not see my color, I want you to not judge me because of it. That's what I want. Mm. Don't judge me because of it. Because if you don't see my blackness or you don't see that I identify as a black person, then you don't understand how this week or the last two weeks, I have been super agitated, depressed, anxious, and a whole abundance of emotions because when I saw the three events back to back to back being broadcast about the atrocities against Black people with no justice behind it, I'm up in arms because I see myself. I see myself and Breonna Taylor, who was in her house, minding her own thing on business. You know, I see my oldest brother in George Floyd. I see some of the Black guys I serve with, some of my closest friends in Ahmaud Arbery who are running because it's part of their career to run, to stay in shape. So when all of these things are happening right one after the other, I'm greatly affected. But if you don't see me as a Black person, then you have no idea that my entire news feed is filled with that. You know, I, I, I was explaining this to one of my other girlfriends that it's just like if I said that you five-foot person, I don't see you as short. If I never see you as being short, then I'll never offer to get something off the high shelf for you because I don't see you as a short person. And it's like, but you being a short person 
affects how you move through life. Someone who is of a Jewish religion or someone who's Muslim affects how they move through life. Being a woman affects how you move through life. Just like when we talk about privilege, being a white person affects how you move through life. So the same way, if all those things can affect how you move through life, why can you not see or acknowledge that me being black affects how I move through life? And when you say that you're colorblind, someone, I'm speaking to anyone who uses this term and they don't really mean anything, any harm by it. But when you say you don't see my color, then you miss the biggest part of how I move through life and how the lens of life that I live, you don't see it. And so that's what one of those things that most people are unintentionally being offensive, but you're taking one of the biggest parts away from me. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's really powerful to understand that. I think one of the most important things that I've seen start to happen in the last, especially like we're in like the second week in, in this second week is people are starting to acknowledge this unconscious bias that they don't realize that they have because they may have said that to you without meaning harm. But how do we teach them that that does that does that is harmful? Like, how do we teach people that? I mean, do you respond and explain it? Because when you say it that way, I'm like, oh my god, yes, totally, I get it. Like, but I, I maybe I wouldn't have gotten that a year ago. So how do we how do we pe- teach people about this unconscious bias? And I'm talking at the like, you know, woman to woman level, like in our families and in our communities. Because what needs to happen at the legislation level? Actually, let's just be real. What needs to what's going to happen in all of the ch- systemic changes is way bigger than we're going to be able to address in this conversation. So let's focus on what we can do in our community. Like, how can we have that conversation to like help lead people to understand their their biases? So one is I'm willing to have these conversations right now. I'm willing to say, when someone asks me, I'm willing to say, here's one of the aggressions that I experience, one of the microaggressions that I experience all the time. Here's one of the things that happens to me that maybe you have said or thought that kind of I find slightly demeaning or I find it undermines me as a person and I'm just willing to have a conversation. And I, as someone who's being asked these questions right now is not the time for me to be hostile towards you when you ask these kind of questions, because right now, this is the time to unite. And so if I come at you hostile, this is again, my own personal methodology right now. If I come at you You're coming to me because you want to know and understand. If I respond with hostility, then we're not going to be able to have a conversation. It's not going to be a two-way communication going on because you're going to put your walls up. You're going to put your walls up. I'm going to have my walls up. We're not going to get anywhere. So right now, I look at the bigger picture. Right now, I look at, okay, while we have your attention, let me let you know what I know. Let me give you some of the information because the problem before is we didn't have, we didn't have y'all's attention. It's always been happening. This has always been happening. We just didn't have your attention or you, or folks were not willing to learn. So now that you're willing to learn, I'm not going to stifle it by being the person that says, we'll just go Google it. No, I'm just going to go ahead and give you what I know, tell you to proceed with caution because You cannot learn in two weeks what I've been learning and experiencing in 42 years. So Mm -hmm. I just kind of pick a very 
particular conversation. We're not going to, like you said, we're not going to solve this in one conversation, but okay, this particular phone conversation that I may have with someone, let's talk about this. This next one, we may talk about something else. The next one, we may talk about prison reform. The next one, we may talk about policy and legislation and the importance of voting. The next conversation, we may talk about one of the other many issues like housing and redlining. And it just depends. But right now, I'm more willing to provide you with resources to help kind of give you the Cliff Notes version and kind of meet you where you're at. That's that's my piece of the fight right now is I'm going to try my best to meet you where you're at. And then if you ask me things that I don't know the answers, I bet you I can find you the resources in about two minutes. Because mm-hmm. again, this is my life. This isn't something that just happened to me two weeks ago. Whereas other folks are having the awakenings, I want to go to sleep. Everybody else are, yeah. is woke now. I would like to, to take a nap. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I appreciate that. And I honestly, there's a part of me that even hesitated asking you to have this conversation with me because I feel like it's not your job to educate me on what I don't know. Like I definitely felt this pull that, oh, is it fair of me to put it on you to tell me what I don't know? That doesn't, I mean, and I'm not referring to myself because you know that I've been doing the research and the understanding on my own, but I do I do really appreciate that you are willing to have the conversation in that way because what what here's what I am seeing happen and I'm going to I'm going to talk to some of the white women listening because I know that this is happening because I see it in my life. And that is that you start going down this path of learning what you didn't know about slavery and our country and what still happens today. The moment that you start to learn that, you start to feel a little bit sick in your stomach, stomach, which we fucking should feel sick in our stomach. And it, for some people, starts to feel like too much and they just shut it down. They're like, well, that, I didn't do that. That's not my fault. I didn't do it. And, and they turn, they're turning. They're turning away. And that is the point that you stay. You stay in that spot. And you, you, you let it sink in and you let it understand because what you just said is so critical. What Those of us that are learning and have just been feeling this emotion for two weeks, that's what it's been like to be black in this country. This is what you've lived with your whole life. So you're tired and we're just learning it. So there's, this is, <laughs> we got a lot of work to do. Exactly. Because this is, and this is the other thing that I would like to caution is to remind folks, this is not a race. Okay. This isn't a race. This is a mm-hmm. freaking marathon. Okay. My grandmother is 100 years old. She turned 100 back in November. So this is, the things that have happened in this country is very still near, dear, and real to me. My grandmother picked cotton. My grandmother was mm. came up on a sharecropper's farm. So no, she wasn't a slave, but she worked on a sharecropper's farm as a little girl. So this is still very near and dear to me. And it's a marathon. I'm still trying to do things to make her proud. I'm still trying to fight some of the systems that have been put in place to hold her back. My grandmother couldn't read. My grandmother taught herself how to read, you know, but I'm, I'm a college educated woman with a master's degree. And one of my sisters has two masters and we're coming from a descendant of someone who lived in the world where it was illegal to read. You know, and so that's why I just have to remind folks that this is a marathon. You you will burn out. You will burn out if you try to take everything in within two weeks, 
three weeks, four weeks, you will burn out and get tired. And again, I can't get tired because I can't, I can't take this skin off. I can't choose to not be part of this system unless I was to leave the United States and bleach my skin. I, I don't have that option. So I look at it as my message to anyone else who wants to be in this fight, choose your battle and be in it. If you're going to be in it, be in it. If you want to be a true ally, understand that you cannot take the skin off. I cannot change that you are a white woman, but understand that you benefit from a system that was built for you. Understand that and then figure out how to infiltrate that system and help other people benefit from it or help completely dismantle that system. And it is going to be a fight. It is going to be uncomfortable. Again, my folks have been fighting this for years, for a century. We've been fighting this for a century and we're still not there yet. But damn it, doggone it, I mean... We are a lot further than we were when my grandmother was my age. We are a lot further. My mother is 65 years old. My mother came up through Jim Crow. I have pictures of my mother at the water faucets that say whites only, blacks only. So we're a lot further than we were when she was younger, but we still have so much more to go. So again, it is a marathon. It is a, you got to be in it for the long haul. Because if you're not going to be in, in for the long haul, then I, we don't want you. Yeah. That's, I'm, I'm gonna be, I mean, I'm speaking for myself. Like, if you're not going to be in yeah. for the long haul, then no, I won't have the conversations with you. I won't waste my time. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's smart. I also, I also think um, understanding that it's something, I'm going to quote what Courtney said in her, Instagram live recently, which is that um, being an ally is not an identity, it's an action. And it's, we need to do it as often as we need to drink water. Yes. 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 And that's, that sat with me because that, that means then that's, this is a lifetime that we all are committing to doing together. Exactly. You can't, this is, again, this is just my own thought process. This is Issa's philosophy, nobody else's. Hey, but, hey, don't, 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 don't take that down. <laughs> Issa's philosophy is good. <laughs> but when I, when I say that I love people, I love people. I love people every day to the point where even if I have to, even in my job, if I have to discipline one of my soldiers, it hurts me to the core because I genuinely want to show and project love, positivity, and affection. It is that much ingrained in me. And so if true justice, if all lives truly mattered to a person that says all lives matter, if it truly mattered, then it should hurt to your core to know that there are particular people for reasons that they cannot control, they are being treated like animals and no justice is being had for them. If all lives truly matter, then how black people are treated in this country should matter. How women are treated in this country should matter. How trans people in this country should matter. If all lives truly matter, then the word 
all should be key. It should be key. And when folks say that all lives matter, they don't even realize that they are disregarding what the Black people are saying right now that they do not feel like they matter because they are allowed to be shot and killed in the streets and no justice is had by the people that are supposed to protect and serve. Those are the people that all of a sudden, when they are doing the most regular things, can be killed for it and not receive justice. So that it, it's one of those things that is very passionate because you, you get to the point where you're like, I don't even know how to play the game anymore. I don't even know. Yeah. Every time I yeah. think I figured it out, boom, you kill me over a suspended $20 bill. Every time I think I figured it out, boom, I'm in my house, minding my business. You have a no-knock warrant. You're at the wrong house, yet I'm the one that's dead. What? Right. What? I don't right. feel like I matter at that point. So, yeah. Yeah. That's I, that's just so powerful. Um Issa, I appreciate you sharing. That matters a lot. It matters a lot. What you're doing and have you know being willing to have this conversation come on here on this platform, it matters a lot. Yeah, and I have to. I look at it like this. This is the other reason, and I've told this to a couple of people in my Instagrams before. The reason I'm willing to create even safe spaces for folks to ask questions because when it comes to matters of the LGBT community. I don't know. I don't understand. I don't live in a space where I am around people in the LGBT community on a regular basis or have intimate relationships with them. And where again, to me, all lives do truly matter. I want to know and understand some of their plights because I have no good frame of reference and I can't do it myself. And if I just Google a bunch of stuff, Sometimes I'll get confused because there's so much misinformation out there as well. And so I've had the opportunities to have conversations with people who are either in relationships or identify with their community or they identify with trans people in, in some way. And they've allowed me to ask the super odd questions that are, you know, dare I say, maybe inappropriate or could be found offensive. And I don't mean any harm, but I don't know. They've created those safe spaces for me in the past. And so I can never pay them back. All I can do is pay it forward. So when I am around mm. people who don't understand the plight or the community that I'm in, right now I'm allowing that safe space for them to ask the questions, for them to ask the things that they may not be comfortable to normally ask. I'm like, okay, look, I'm trying to show you. You can go ahead and ask me. This is a judgment-free zone because I would rather you get some understanding now, now that you're open to have understanding, let's help bridge that gap and get that understanding. Because I've been in that space with another community where I don't fully understand all of the plights that trans people have or other people in LGBT communities, even with medical care and things like that. I don't understand it. And someone has, a couple of people have allowed me that space to be confused and kind of talk through it. So... You know, that's just, again, one of those things, because to my core, all people matter. 
all people yeah. really do. And I want to understand. Right. So right now, the plight is about Black people. Tomorrow, the plight may mm-hmm. be about people with disabilities. The next day, the plight may be about trans people. I don't know. Yeah. So I will hope that we're all willing to help each other in their different communities to truly understand and also keep ourselves diversified. And that's one thing I have to tell you that I I really love about women, and I'm not trying to discard the men, but for a moment, I'm going to (laughs) discard the men and say that you know, we women, we are a little bit more willing to open our hearts in these conversations. And I, I have this vision that these types of conversations happening in our communities where people can actually sit down and have like talking circles and open safe space to discuss things that are painful to discuss is so powerful for women to do that. Because you know what? We're the ones that are teaching our children, right? We're the ones that are like, I mean, my children need to understand what these issues are now, like right now, like no more days of spending their life like I did, not understanding, right? We have the ability to like start shifting change in like generationally. So I, I feel like that's, I feel like that's special. And I, I'm glad that you had the opportunity to experience this with a different community. So you know that seeking information from someone else can sometimes feel heavy and sometimes it's hard to know what to say. And I've said on my other podcast a couple of times, I'm super disappointed at how many white women that have large platforms right now that are sitting quiet. And I, in my podcast, I, I talk, I, you know, I talked about this issue and I shared all of my discomfort and awkwardness at how I might get it all wrong, but I am not going to not use my platform because I feel like if we have these platforms to use our voices, especially as white people, it's our jobs. It's our jobs to hold this space because we created this racist system like we did and we benefit from it and it's um it's our responsibility so that was my little tangent about people that have <laughs> that have big communities that are not doing anything and and I'm I I know that it's hard right I I feel even for Courtney right we feel for Courtney she's you know she she's in a tough position and I also think that one thing I've really struggled with is why does somebody want to hear from another white person right now like why why does why Why would I want to do that? Well, I look at it like this. Uh, I actually just had this conversation with another girl too. You, we all have our own pieces to play and our own parts to play. And no matter what, no, I could talk until I'm blue in the face. There are some people that still will not hear me because they absolutely don't identify with me versus mm-hmm. people that are in some of your circles, they identify with you. And so they see you trying to learn and understand and be a fighter and explain things. And so they have a connection to you. You have a whole community that you are connected to in a way that I am not connected to. So that's where your voice is still needed. Your voice still needs to be heard. And this is where you amplify our voices. So this is this is my kind of, PSA to any, uh, you know, any non-people of color, anyone who wants to be a part of this movement is amplify Black voices. Don't center the conversation on you, but amplify our voices so that people who would not normally hear me because I'm just not a part of their community, amplify my voice so that they can hear it through you and your community. That's what we want. 
amplify the message that this is wrong, that this we, we are not treating people equally. And that's all we want is equality for all. All men are created equal. All men and right. women, but you know, all mankind are created equal and we are not, but, yeah. but we are not being treated equally. Well, we'll let the men back in the conversation now <laughs> just for a moment. <laughs> um, yeah, thank you. That's important. And that helps, that even helps me, Issa, that helps me frame how I can utilize what resources I have to amplify your voice and amplify what it means to be anti-racist because there's a difference between all the, so many different terms, but I, I am sticking with, right. I mean, there's so many different terms, so I'm not even gonna go down that hole, but I know that my goal is to, and I, I've started shifting some things in my company. I know that Courtney has, I know lots of people have looking at the people we partner with, the people we work with, our clients, um, are they all, also adopting an anti-racism stance and what are they doing to take that action? And if I start to think about that happening with a lot of companies looking at it, because it's not just within your own company, you know, you know, I own my own company. And so it's not just about my business. It's about who am I partnering with? Like, who am I actually doing business with? And what are they doing? And this, this is where you start to see the bigger picture effect where change starts to happen. At least I, this is, this is my hope because this country has never lived without racism. It, like this country has never existed without it. So how do we get to a place that we haven't been before? Exactly. I would love to hear how you feel. Exactly. Hear how you feel about that. So I actually love the whoever coined the term anti-racism, whoever that was, they need to get a medal of honor or something because. Oh, maybe they should have the monument instead of the, all the other monuments. Like we need a monument of the person that coined the term anti-racism. Exactly. Because that, that's exactly it. I, cause again, this is one of those weird microaggressions that always made my skin crawl. And at first I did not have the vocabulary to express why it bothered me. But yeah, I don't give a flying flunt if you're not racist. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. I'm not racist, but so what, what that, that does nothing for me because if you still allow racist people to be around you and you still mm. knowingly participate in racist systems, then it, it does, it doesn't help the conversation saying that you're not racist doesn't help the conversation because I work with racists. I work with people that I know are racist. They can come to me and say, I'm racist. I'm like, okay. And I'll still fight and die for you tomorrow. So again, it no big deal. It when you but when you say anti-racist, you are actually taking a stand. And a lot of things people do confuse me being support of something, they confuse it with being against something, which is not true. To say black power doesn't mean to say that I am solely against the white or let me rephrase it, to say black love, like I love black people. I love being black doesn't mean that I hate white. But if I said that I am anti-white, now we're talking. Now you know the difference, right? I'm just using that as Uh an extreme example. So again, when you use the word racist, I'm not racist. Eh, Okay, but then it's questionable on whether or not you're against racist. But if I say that I am anti-racist, now there's no confusion. You know that I'm not going to tolerate 
racist behavior. It's very, very clear. You've used your words appropriately so that it is clear that I am against. By me not saying, if I just say I'm not racist, that doesn't necessarily mean that I'm against racism. If I say I'm anti-racist or anti-racism, then you know I am against this. And so you're not going to be able to pull these little tricks around me. And you're not going to be able to say, you know, racist jokes in my presence as a white person, you're not going to be able to say racist jokes in my presence. You're going to know that I'm going to call that mess out. You know what I mean? We, we're not going to do the two black men walk into a bar or a black guy, a Jewish guy, and a rabbi walk into you. Nope. We ain't going to do that around her because we know that she is anti-racist. We're not going to have those conversations in the privacy of our homes where we're like, yeah, you know, all those, you know, I'm not going to say the word on your podcast, but you know, all those watermelon, chicken eating, shucking, ju- you know, you're not going to have that kind of conversation in your presence when you're dealing with someone that is anti-racist. So. That is the best <laughs> explanation that anybody has ever made. I might cut that snippet out. I might like cut that snippet out and like repeat it like four times in this show. I'm like, look at me. I'm like, yeah. Or have me recorded where I'm a little more connected with the speech because it was coming off the dome and it was probably a little disconnected. (laughs) No, that was perfect. That was perfect. And I I really super loved the example that you gave. That makes so much sense. And I I mean, this this is why you say that this is a marathon and this is not a race. It's not a sprint because some of these things are still taking time for people to understand what terminology to use. And, and, you know, on the corporate side, I am definitely having a lot of conversations with my clients and my partners, and I know that um, Courtney is doing the same um, in her business, and this is important. These terms are important because you know what's going to start happening is right now, companies are going to start flooding the market with messages, and um, I care way less about what somebody says in their business than what they do. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I feel like that's my that's like my mic drop. Don't talk it, do it. <laughs> oh, I forgot this is a podcast. They're not gonna actually see my <laughs> I know we both I this is the second time I've done it too. We do you guys are missing it. You should see us. We you know, we we make body motions to express our passion. Well, it's uh I wanna thank you again for taking time to to speak with us and for being open to have the conversation and and to all the people that you're having the conversation with because I know that it's important and I also understand that it's hard because not everyone is willing to have the conversation right now because there's a lot of pain and anger from generations and generations. So I, I get that too. So I, I just want to say again, I deeply honor you taking your time for this. It's it's important and I really appreciate you. Yeah. And I will do my own shameless plug um, that, yes. that anybody who wants to what my page is doing right now, because again, I am in the military. And so I don't discuss political views and even Black Lives Matter on any given day can be viewed as an extremist organization. And so I do not tend to post Black Lives Matter things on my page just because I don't ever want it to get misconstrued. So I just use my page right now to create fun spaces, spaces of positivity for anyone that, you know, needs to take a break because you're going to have to take breaks. Even me, I take breaks from these conversations. You know, I'll open up for like a day where I'll post questions and uh, allow people to you know, 24 hours, I got you. I'm going to be in that space with you. And then the next day I may log off 
for 48 hours. <laughs> um, but yeah. my page is a page that I mainly post workout stuff, but my the action really happens on my stories. And we just and are we talking Instagram? Yes, Instagram. So Instagram okay. yeah. it's amazing on Instagram. It is a fun little spot to laugh and joke and see my mm. dog with colorful hair. So if you all need a break and want to uh, take a little small breather from the revolution, I am a water break for you guys. I'm a water break. And, I love it. And just a abundance of love and slide in my DMs and you may get a video response back from me and my dog. It's just what we do because I still like to share and spread love through all this madness Mm-hmm. And all of this that's going on, we still have to find time to smile and find some moments of positivity because we cannot let the negativity and the heaviness of the situation wear us down to where we want to quit and give up the fight. We just have to take a break, a little water break. <laughs> I love it. And thank you for reminding me of that. And I will put the link to your Instagram page in the show notes. Yay! All right. Thank you, my friend. And thank you for ending with a a message about our hearts. And for those of you listening, thank you for joining us for another episode of Girl Talk. And we will be back. And if you are ready to level up your company's innovation, communication, and productivity, don't forget to visit juliehalunga.com to find out how she can help you and your team grow more effectively. We hope you enjoyed the show. Hi, my name is Les Conley, and as producer of this show, I enjoy listening right along with you. Don't forget to download the Himalaya app and follow Grit and Grace so that we can keep you up to date on all the exciting shows coming your way. Please check the show notes for links to our guests and feel free to contact us for more information. Taver Lee is a social impact entrepreneur, and she can be found at taverlee.com. That's T-A-H-V-E-R-L-E-E.com. We know your time is extremely valuable and we appreciate you spending it with us. Thank you.